Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, we shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua, Mashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Shalom and welcome to Heart of Messiah Radio Broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler and I'm the lead rabbi of Shoresh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently, we're serving in Wesley Chapel, St. Pete, South Bay near Riverview, and Tampa. We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM 570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Shalom. Let's pray together. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father, our King. We love you. We praise you and honor you. We pray, Lord, that this day and every day, we would trust in you. Lord, not just to believe who you are and what you say, but that we would trust in you, in your word, in your direction. And Lord, that our lives, we would see it from your vantage point rather than our own. So Lord, pour out your grace and your mercy. Let this day and this week be extremely fruitful for your kingdom. So we thank you and praise you and look forward to uh, a great time as we discuss Messianic Judaism. We pray all of this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Yep, that's what's on tap for today. We are beginning a series, right? You know, last week we finished talking about the fall feasts, God's appointed times, which I summarized, and I explained how these fall feasts are a template for our daily walk with the Lord. But today we start Messianic Judaism. We look at the prophecies about Messianic vision that God used to call it into existence. Yeah, I believe he did. So stay with me. This is also a great time for one of our rabbis to come to visit your church and speak on various topics, including how God's appointed times are important for Christians, or how to share the good news with the Jewish people, or other titles. So email me and we'll set it up, rabbi at heartofmessiah.org, or call Karen at 813-831-5673. You know, we love visitors. Please visit our congregational website as well, shoreshtheved.org, and come visit us Friday nights, Saturdays. Um, bring your Jewish friends, right? So let's get right into this. Uh, you know, at each service, 
I say that our vision of Sharesh David is to love God, love our neighbor, raise up our children in the Lord, share our faith, going to the Jew first and also to the nations, and then finally impact the Tampa Bay area and beyond with acts of kindness, generosity, and love. Now, other than to the Jew first, there don't seem to be any distinctives here, right? So in order to find out about the Messianic vision, you have to dig a little deeper. And that's what my next few messages will be about, answering various questions that people have about the Messianic movement historically, in present times, and for the future. So some of the questions I'm going to try and answer over the coming weeks are the following, but the first three questions I will try and answer today. So number one, what is Messianic Judaism? Two, how and when did Messianic Judaism begin? Three, what is Messianic Judaism's past, present, and future scripturally? I'm not talking about what we want, but what God has said in his word. Number four, who should be in Messianic Judaism? Five, is Messianic Judaism and the church the same? Six, who is a Jew? Seven, does being Jewish matter? Eight, what is the role of someone who is not born Jewish within Messianic Judaism and within Shoresh David? Nine, Why do we celebrate the holy days in Leviticus 23, like Shabbat, the Sabbath? So one of our congregants has been making wonderful short videos to explain various parts of Messianic Judaism. Uh, She has her own YouTube channel. Initially, she developed these videos for other parents of Down syndrome children. But check it out. It's called Living with Eve. And it will help you understand the vision and its application. It's important to understand Messianic Judaism and Shoresh David and our vision and our beliefs, I believe. Yes. So uh, check that out. I, uh, it's called Living with Eve. Now, before I begin talking about Messianic Judaism, please understand one important question, which is not... What congregation or denomination do you belong to? The important question that all of us should ask is, where has God called us to in order to serve and train for the work of his purposes and his ministry? We should not be bystanders or visitors We should be called to a congregation by God in order to accomplish his purposes and his will. And so even though I'll be talking about Messianic Judaism, it's not to make anything else lesser. It's just what I believe God has called me to and other people to. And specifically, We're going to look at scriptures down the road for that as well. It's not just my opinion or somebody's teaching, but it actually is scriptural. So let me first define Messianic Judaism for you. Messianic Judaism is a prophetic, end-time, congregational movement of God made up of Jews and those not born Jewish, many times called Gentiles, who in unity, 
embrace Yeshua, Jesus, as their Messiah and Savior of the world. Both groups fully participate in the life and the destiny of their Messianic Jewish congregation and community by maintaining a biblical and cultural Messianic Jewish identity because of their mutual calling from God. Now, most of this probably made plenty of sense to you and you're with it, but maybe you got caught with the both groups being culturally and biblically having a Messianic Jewish identity. Well, you know, I don't think that should be that difficult. We see an example of that in the book of Ruth. Ruth in chapter 1, verse 16 says, Do not plead with me to abandon you, to return back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May Adonai deal with me, and worse, if anything but death comes between me and you. Well, that's the heart of a believer in Messianic Judaism who is not Jewish. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's it. And, and so it's not about becoming Jewish. It's just becoming sensitive to the culture that one is engaged in. And so I, I believe that Ruth is, is that great example of it. Now, historically, the believers in Yeshua were all Jewish in the beginning, right? All the writers of the New Covenant were Jewish, with a possible exception of Luke. And as we always say, but Luke was a doctor. He must have been Jewish. Okay. I know you've heard that before. any rate, but since the time of Yeshua, there have always been Jewish believers throughout history. However, the resurgence of the movement called Messianic Judaism came approximately in 1970-ish, right? There were a number of events in history, especially church history, the past 2,000 years, that have caused Jewish believers to almost become extinct. You know, um, there was a really difficult time, but, um, but God kept a remnant, as he promised he would. Now, Messianic Judaism is a desire to return to following biblical Judaism. Though there are many disagreements about what that means, the desire is there, and I believe it is authentic. In Messianic Judaism, most of you realize this, the Word of God is the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. And in the Bible, we get a marching orders for what to believe and how we are to live. And, of course, there are differences in that as well, but we are desiring that. We are committed to sharing our faith with the Jewish community and then the larger community. And at the same time, we're committed to sharing our vision with the church in order for them to return to their Jewish roots and have the God-given desire to make our Jewish people jealous because of their relationship with Yeshua. So let's look a little further at the uh, Messianic movement, starting with its prophetic nature in the beginning, right? So this would be the time of Yeshua. Yeshua. 
in both the first century and the 20th century, Scripture's clear. Jewish people believed in Yeshua. Though the terminology, by the way, Messianic Judaism started around 1973. We can call the first century Jewish believers Messianic too. Just as the description of Christians comes from Christ, the description of Messianic comes from Messiah. The terminology is different. The description is the same. God spoke to the Jewish people prophetically in Jeremiah 31.30. And he said to the Jewish people, Behold, days are coming. It's a declaration of Adonai when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. It's a declaration of Adonai. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. It's a declaration of Adonai. I will put my Torah within them. Yes, I will write it on their heart. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Well, this is spoken to the Jewish people to prepare them for a special move of God's Spirit, a covenant that will be possible for us to keep. God will write his laws in our heart, and this was a prophecy about what God was going to do. The result of this prophecy? Yeshua, God in the flesh, being born as a Jewish man, yet through his resurrection, everyone is able to approach God and have a personal relationship with him. And as we trust in him, he washes us clean of our sin. Now, there are many more prophetic promises of Messiah to the Jewish people. As an example, you know Isaiah 7.14, a virgin will conceive. Or Isaiah 9.5 and 6, a child will be called Counselor, Mighty God, my Father of Eternity, Prince of Peace, uh, of the increase of his government in Shalom, there'll be no end in on the throne of David and over his kingdom. So we see the connections between the Messiah and the Jewish people. In Psalm 2, 11 and 12, it says, kiss the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss, I'm sorry, serve the, the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son lest he become angry and you perish along your way. Since wrath may flare up suddenly, happy is everyone taking refuge in him. Or Psalm 22, 15 through 19, which is the description of the crucifixion. Or Zechariah 9, 9, rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Who's the daughter of Zion? The Jewish people. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you a righteous one bringing salvation. He is lowly riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Amazing scriptures, right? And of course, Isaiah 53, all of Isaiah 53, but especially verses 4 to 6. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our pains, yet we esteemed him stricken, struck by God and afflicted. He was pierced because of our transgression, crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement for our shalom was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We are like sheep have gone astray. 
Each of us turned to his own way, so Adonai has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Look, I could go on and on. Is there any doubt that Jewish believers in Yeshua were the result of God's prophetic word? The prophecies of Yeshua were to the Jewish people about the coming Messiah. So the coming of Messiah and, and Judaism are intertwined. And, and so all of this is prophetic to the Jewish people about what God was going to do. The fact that now as believers, whether you're Jew or non-Jew, we all receive the, the, these scriptures for us, and that's fine. But you've got to look at what God was saying originally as well. Now, this was the first century Messianic Judaism. It wasn't called Messianic Judaism. I know that. But I'm just terming it that. Unfortunately, as I mentioned before, as more Gentiles became Christians over the years, they lost sight of the Jewish roots of their faith. They even became hostile and in some cases anti-Semitic. Now, I believe that the only way the first century of Jewish believers could be restored in this 20th century, almost 2,000 years later, is by God. I mean, that's just the only way it could happen. Most times, people don't understand scriptural prophecy until after it has been fulfilled. Often, we don't see God's plans until after they have unfolded. And I think that was true of the church as well. Seemingly hidden in the new covenant, in God's word, is Romans 9, 10, and 11. And specifically in Romans eleven twenty five, it says this, For I do not want you, brothers and sisters, to be ignorant of this mystery. See, God was doing mysteries even before Jonathan Kahn, right? <laughs> okay, just a little joke. Uh, lest you be wise in your own eyes. So God doesn't want the Christian believers to be arrogant. That a partial hardening, this is the mystery, has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So what does this mean is that there's only a partial hardening, that Jewish people are still believers, and there are going to be more of them in the future. In fact, it's going to happen when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Now, in Luke twenty-one twenty-four, it says, They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all the nations. We know that was done, right? They're talking about the Jewish people. Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles, we know that certainly has happened, until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So when were the Jewish people no longer in charge of Jerusalem? That's when the blinders will start coming off. Before we answer that question, keep that in mind, What did God have to accomplish in order for these scriptures to be fulfilled? Number one, he had to scatter the Jews to all nations and keep them aware of being Jewish while in a foreign land, while in diaspora. Secondly, he had to begin to open the eyes of Jewish people to see Yeshua as Messiah and Lord. And the blinders, number three, would come off when the Jewish people would be in control of Jerusalem. 
1948, Israel became a nation, but the Jewish people were not in charge of all of Jerusalem at that time. But in 1967, in a war of miracles, Israel won, and the Jewish people once again had control of all of Jerusalem. Now, 1967, then, the blinders should start coming off. Well, that's around the time I came to the Lord. That's around the time a lot of the leaders of the Messianic movement came to the Lord. In the late 60s and early 70s. And the first Messianic congregation, to my knowledge, was around 1971. So within three or four years of this prophecy, right, Messianic Judaism is beginning because the blinders are supernaturally coming off the Jewish people, and and even though each one felt like I did, that they were the only Jew in the world who believed that Yeshua, Jesus, was the Messiah, uh, we were part of a move of God's Spirit supernaturally where we see the greatest number of Jews since the first century except Yeshua. And so this was the time Messianic Judaism was reborn, born again. God's word birthed it and rebirthed it. Now, there are a lot of supporting scriptures that were prophetic in the Hebrew scriptures. As an example, Isaiah eleven ten through 12, where it says it will come about in that day that the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will seek for him and his resting place will be glorious. And it will come about in that day that my Lord will again redeem a second time with his hand the remnant of his people. And, and then later on it says from the four corners of the earth. So a return of the dispersed of Israel twice. Now the first time happened when Babylon, when, when they were in Babylon, which was a hundred or so years after this was written. So this was written by Isaiah 700 years before Yeshua, roughly, and 100 years later was the first time that God um, had the Jewish people leave Israel and they went to Babylon. They were forced to go to Babylon, and 70 years later, they came back to Jerusalem. So that was the first return. In the second return that this Isaiah scripture talks about was almost 2,000 years later in 1948 from the four corners of the world. Oh, my goodness. Where is the time going? (laughs) We're going to have to pick up at this point next time. And uh, we have a lot more prophecies to talk about, a lot more Uh, amazing things that God has done and is doing and will do within the Messianic movement. I truly believe this. So uh, next week, come back, bring your friends online uh, to, to listen to this program. We'll look forward to what God says in his word. If you would like to receive a summary of last week's teaching, where God's appointed times are a pattern for our daily walk with him for personal revival, call Karen, 813-831-5673. She'll email it to you. 
And you can check out our website, shoreshdavid.org. We've recently uh, renewed it, so to speak. And so we love visitors to that, and we love visitors to our congregation. So come, bring your Jewish friends. And as I've been saying, this would be a great time for our rabbis to come in to your church and visit and talk about different topics like what I talk about on the radio. So if you would email me, rabbi at heartofmessiah.org, give me the pastor's name. I can call them, see if they're interested, or call Karen at 813-831-5673. I pray that you will grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. Amen? Let's pray. Abba, Father, teach us your ways so that our hearts would be hearts of flesh and not of stone. May our words and actions always reflect the heart of Messiah so that everyone who meets us will know that Yeshua is our Messiah and King. You are Messiah. Yeshua HaMashiach Lion of Judah The God of Israel